Mixed Media Movies. And welcome back to Mixed Media. We just went through two awesome segments. One you can still see in the thumbnail below, which is we were talking about uh, 90s animated films. Now, Ben basically teased us. Uh, and didn't reveal what the actual best uh, animated uh, films actually are in terms of their film scores, I should say, specifically. Uh, But he gave us a very good overview of the era, very good uh, context for when we do hear it. And then uh, Nathan uh, talked about uh, his hot takes, or reactions to your hot takes, I should say, about gaming, which were all very interesting and loosely interconnected, (laughs) which is pretty cool. And so now today I'll be talking about a short film called A Life in the Future. Now, I tried really hard for, uh, I would say, like three weeks to get in touch with uh, the directors. I'm like 0 for 2 this year, which kind of sucks because last year I feel like it was extremely easy to get people on the show. So I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong here. But uh, if you if you see this, because I'm going to I'm going to post the link to this review afterwards. And you want to get on the show for an interview, it's not too late. Just uh, hit, hit me up. Um, I would love to do it. I also cannot show the entire short film in, in its entirety because while I probably could, if I paused and like talked to, and, you know, did that thing, I could probably do that fair use. I don't feel good about that. And I, I don't know if I would appreciate that. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to play like a little bit of it so you can get a gist of it. It's only a five minute long short here. I'll put a link to it actually in the chat right now um so that you can check it out if uh if you want to you can find the link to it but it's only five minutes long so it takes you no time to pause this video if you're watching it in post there's actually the link below so in the uh description you can go find a link to the short film over on uh discord uh then you can find it in the event But in any case, uh, without further ado, I'm going to play the first minute or so. I think there's some uh, minor language in there, uh, but not as as much as the last film that I that I showed. (laughs) So there's the warning here. There it is. Again, I'm only playing the first minute or so out of the five minutes because it's a very short film. Here we go. To sign on the bottom, and we're all set. Don't you want it? I don't know. I thought we talked about it. I thought you wanted this too. I didn't say that. Then why are you here? We made up our minds. You did. Christopher, Crownix is an issue with which each person needs to come to terms. Melanie, if you like, we can go over the program again. We don't need to. This one won't shut up about it. Imagine waking up in the future. A future where you've beaten death. A place where people and the technology can't be predicted. See? I don't understand what your issue is. Look, you're going to die anyway. 
Why not be frozen until the people of the future can reverse the process and wake you up? Maybe I don't want to see the future. Maybe I don't give a shit. Excuse me. Have you ever considered that if you plan on waking up 500 years in the future, then maybe you'll waste this life. It'll lose its significance and you'll waste it. It's all one life, but with an extension in another world. Same world, same people. But to see it. Imagine. Maybe when I die, I want to be in a box in the ground, not frozen on my head, waiting to be woken up. Excuse me. All right, I'm gonna stop it there. <laughs> um, but there you go. I think that gives you a good good flavor for <laughs> for what's going on uh, in this short, very simple, very short, very sweet. I would say. And I think there's a lot of things going on here that we can learn from, dissect from. Um, because it's not as long, it's it's not going to be as long as a breakdown either. Um, but I think I think we'll get we'll get a few key things that are very interesting from here. So let me uh, switch back out. <clears throat> so as always, first, whoops, I always do that. <laughs> so as always, first, um, I don't know if you guys were able to hear any of it. Were you able to hear <laughs> much of it at all? Yeah, I, well, I I was just watching it on my phone, so I was staring down like that. Oh, I didn't God. have the stream open, so I just I, I couldn't. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. But in any case, uh, so as, as always, we talk about writing first, which is basically the bones of everything, right? If you don't have a good script, you're not going to have a good film, by and large. Uh, maybe some exceptions if a lot of liberties are taken on set, <laughs> you know, in terms of the script. But um, by and large, without a good uh, structure, a good um, sense for dialogue, a good sense for pace and all these kinds of stuff, without a good script, you're not going to have a good film. So let's talk about the structure first, which is uh, something that's become very important to me. So this film basically has a very simple two-act structure. Now, it might have been written, though, in a three-act sort of form um, in terms of like the traditional way, you know, with the beginning, middle, end thing. It has three scenes, and you could just line those scenes up with the three traditional things, but it's so short that it's like, if it was written that way, it's not fully apparent anyway. And I don't think it really comes across as fitting in that sort of cookie cutter way, especially the way that it's uh, it's paced out. So really, there's two acts. And again, uh, you can check out my screenwriting. I, I forget what I called it. You can find if you search screenwriting mixed media, you'll be able to find uh, an episode where I talk about my thoughts on screenwriting. But act one is basically a huge amount of dialogue where we talk about the premise, this the, this idea of living forever i mean so for those of you who didn't hear the premise is essentially they're at this consultation for freezing their bodies indefinitely into the future until the cure for death has been found and uh (laughs) and one of them is so is extremely gung-ho about it uh and uh thinks that this is the best thing ever and that they'll be able to see uh uh sites sites that are that just blow their mind really into the the tech that awaits them in the future and then the other one is uh like bruh i kind of want to live a good life now and die <laughs> um that's the central conflict <laughs> of 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 uh of this this film and then act 2 is uh basically more like an ep- epilogue than it is uh it, it, it feels more like an epilogue so this is almost like an a one act film with an epilogue is the sort of the, the feel of it. 
And it, it, it's basically whatever happens to the one guy, what happens to the one guy uh, who, uh, <laughs> who decides to, to freeze his body. I'll leave it at that. But uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of the sort of tone and overall feel, it's a very simple uh, sort of like, I guess, moralized message where it's just the idea. There's just these two ideas just sort of coming to a head here. There's not that, that much going on action wise, right? The lady that we see there is just representing the, the corporation that wants to, to sell you this body freezing uh, technology. And as for tone, it's very, very whimsical, very not uh, self-serious. You know, uh, there's a lot of little devices here and there to, that make you chuckle here and there. Um, yeah, the, it's definitely playing playing the whole thing very lightly. Yeah, so in terms of like writing notes, because it's very simple, I don't have that much to say because you're not going for like anything you know extreme. It doesn't even seem like you're developing an idea for like a longer thing or anything like that. This is not a web series. It's just like a little idea, you know, a little a little thing, you know. And so there's not that much to say. The only thing I would say is in the second scene. Uh, so in the second scene, they're basically, we go from in the consultation to into their car, driving away from the consultation. It's very clearly clear that the guy is driving a Tesla, right. And it's driving itself and, and, uh, he's, he's trying to convince her and they're having more of this like sort of moralized back and forth about, you know, whether or not living forever, forever should be one's goal in life. Um, and, uh, so my only note about that whole back and forth there is that I wish it didn't take place in the Tesla or at least if there, yeah. Okay. The taking place in the Tesla is yeah. A call to the guys, you know, personality and all that, but it felt a little bit simple and it would have been a, I think a little bit more interesting if what at wherever this conversation was happening or whatever they were doing while have this, having this conversation was a little bit more engaging overall and more tied into the the central theme there because there's a lot of just sitting and talking and yeah, it's only five minutes. So it never really gets too tiring, but I mean, the film is really just sitting and talking and then I don't feel like you're exploiting, exploiting action enough. Right. Which is again, you know, that's a very minor critique because again, it's a very short film and your dialogue is uh quite quippy and, and I like it. It's very, it's very tight. Um, and uh, gets to the point very much. So, uh, natural sounding, but in a movie way, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, definitely not going for naturalistic uh, dialogue, but uh, very uh, fun and funny dialogue um, with these really exaggerated personalities that are kind of caricatures. <laughs> so I really enjoyed your dialogue there, which is very difficult to do. So good on you. Now for the next thing. So directing and acting. So the characters were very well defined and I could tell that it was, they were well defined from the script and it translated directly on set. So that had to be communicated well. So there you go. That's a uh, good directing. So you uh, conveyed your actor your, to your actors, exactly the kind of characters that you wanted, these caricatures, and you were able to do it in such a way that they didn't caricature on top of the caricature, which sometimes happens where they go a little bit too far but you gave them enough life that they felt like people, but not enough life that they were too complicated, right? Um, which was good for this kind of film. So that's good. And then the from the visual direction perspective, I thought it could be a little bit tighter. And I'll go into that uh, with the next category, which is cinematography. So 
with the cinematography, you're very clearly going for that sort of bright white look. Um, here, actually, it's always useful to pull up the film so I can reference it. So let me pull it back up real quick. Here, this is a perfect frame that we're landing on here. <laughs> but you're, you're very much so going for this bright white look. Now, the reason why people go for this bright white look for corporate, or sorry, for uh, futuristic sort of looks is because they imagine the future as being very corporatist, right? And, uh, or a lot of these sort of like dystopian sort of ideas are very corporatist. And what does this remind you of but a commercial, right? <laughs> you know, the bright, like, bright white look that you get in a lot of uh, commercials where it's like, you know, everything is perfect because you have the product kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, that's what you're sort of going for. Actually, this, this frame is absolutely perfect for me to go on because it contains everything I want to talk about pretty much. Uh, so with this bright white look, uh, from a cinematography perspective, you have to do a whole bunch of things to achieve it that are not very obvious. In fact, it's actually not a not a trivial look to achieve because it's not natural at all, right? You know, we don't tend to... There are very few rooms we walk into that everything is just evenly, perfectly lit and beautiful and bright and the faces are not are not too bright. Uh, but they're 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 a little bit brighter than the background, you know. That that's very unnatural and requires a ton of lighting. I'm not sure though, actually, if you achieve this by doing a ton of lighting, or if you had a whole bunch of uncontrolled light sources in this very specific space that naturally gave you this bright white look. So it looks like you're in this very shiny, bright corporate space. I have no idea how you found this place. But it looks very uh, futuristic, uh, you know, the glossy floors, the glossy walls and all that, all that stuff. But uh, I'm not sure how much lighting you did. I think for the actors, uh, uh, for exposing the actors, you definitely did some extra lighting for sure, uh, because it's hard for me to imagine you getting that perfect light wrap around the face um, without doing that. But the rest of the lighting, I'm not 100% sure how you achieved it, if you had a ton, tons of lights or not. Either way, though, I think the bright white look wasn't perfectly executed, and I noticed it a lot because this shot here is basically, um, in terms of the aesthetic, I think sort of what you call like the hero shot, where you're using you know a shot that you could use that sort of encapsulates the entire aesthetic, you know, of the entire short. You know, this shot pretty much sort of encapsulates that that sort of aesthetic. Um, and this shot is not perfectly uh, stylistically in tune with your other shots in a way that didn't feel purposeful. And uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about your intentions there. Maybe you did did intend for there to be differences uh, in aesthetic for your different shots. But here, let me let me find a different frame. I might exemplify this. Okay, that works. So if we look over here, I get that there's a window here, and I get that this window has stuff behind it. So you're not going to get, obviously, bright white, but for the fact that you've overexposed the background, which gives us that sort of glowing, you know, sun hit, you know, sort of background. So you've achieved it by proxy, you know, by, by making sure the background was blown out, but not so blown out that it was ugly. Uh, but if we look at the actors themselves, they're, uh, the way they're exposed is a little bit stylistically different from the way she's exposed in this space. So... Uh, a simple concept that we can take away from this is something called contrast ratios and contrast ratios are basically your take your dark darkest spot in the frame. So in this case, uh, the darkest spot are parts in her hair 
and uh, on the on the bottom left, the back of his jacket, you know, and the back of his head, you know, these are the darkest parts of the frame, and compare to the brightest parts of the frame, and see, and then that gives you the contrast ratio, right? So your brightest brights and your darkest darks. So if we go back to our hero shot of the sort of bright white commercial look, um, I can find it again. There it is. We can see the contrast ratios here are so the contrast ratio is very small meaning the darkest darks and the brightest brights are not that far away from each other right so we're really pushing up up to the to the bright bright side right you've definitely overexposed uh you know you exposed up from where you typically would expose the entire scene and what it's done is it's created very soft uh shadows all over her now i considered the fact that obviously she is the the symbol of corporation, right? So, you know, maybe, but there's inconsistencies even within the two shot with the two, I'm not sure if they're siblings or lovers. It was very unclear. It didn't really matter for, for, for the film at all, but, but, uh, you know, whatever relation they have, (laughs) you know, the, even between the two shots, there's difference in contrast ratios. So really mind, that when you're doing your cinematography, really mind your contrast ratios and say, okay, even if I want that to be lighter or less for a shot like this, at least let me make it consistently more between your other two shots, especially if you couldn't control the light well in this space, which is probably the, what I assume is the case. At least try your best to hit consistent constant contrast ratios with your, uh, your other shots, right? Let's see. And the only other thing is uh, there seem to be, excuse me, there seem to be a few um, color temperature issues as well, um, which may be the grade or it may be in camera. It's hard for me to tell, obviously, without knowing the process, which is why I should come on here so so I can ask you these kinds of questions. <laughs> but so if we look over here, we've got this extremely neutral look, but some some shots we get like a little bit cooler, a little bit warmer. So here, actually, this one looks a little bit more, let me blow it up for myself so I don't make a mistake. Yeah, so here it looks a little bit more magenta on the subjects and green on the backgrounds and maybe a touch warmer, right? So I don't know if that's a color grade thing. I mean, if you look at his shirt there, it's like, it's not perfectly white, right? But if we look at her shirt in the other, the other, uh, the other shot, even though that's also white, right it's got more if anything it airs on the cool side and it's more neutral in terms of green versus uh, magenta so you know what i'm saying there is i don't think that's i don't it doesn't come off as purposeful you know that you did did it that way i always caveat that because you know i'm sure some things i say people are like well i meant to do that you know so you know i'm not sure if what you meant to do or not but at least it doesn't come off purposeful which is in of itself is somewhat a problem and it makes your shots feel a little bit unprofessional from cut to cut because the color temperature and tint aren't perfectly aligned with each other so yeah so then i i, I brought a prop to demonstrate so if you don't have one of these things you should have one of these things so here it is this is a color temperature card or not a color temperature card, I should say a color card. Basically, this allows you to do color grading a ton easier. Now, when I first heard of these things, I was like, ah, I don't know. There are these, this, this pocket thing right here costs $120. 
in 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 good old uh, film fashion, it is way more expensive than it looks. <laughs> it's got two pages, I guess, in theory. It's got uh, a focus helper on the right here. So, you, oh, on the right here, uh, which you could do to help you uh, uh, hit critical focus and shots. And it's got a neutral uh, gray here, which will help you with uh, color temperature. Now, this neutral gray is exactly what you're interested in for color temperature purposes. But actually, the most useful page is the first one where you have all your colors here. Now, if you don't know what this is, definitely look it up on YouTube and definitely spend the $120 because ever since I bought this thing, it has changed the way I color grade. It has changed the way I shoot even. Um, it has changed everything. It's extremely accurate, which is the the reason why it costs so much money, supposedly at least. Um, <laughs> um, this black material apparently is some like special, uh, this glossy black to get like as black as possible is apparently some sort of special material that required some material science to produce. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but uh, what I can say is that it does actually work and it was worth every penny. So what I'm saying is if this was an in-camera problem with color temperature and getting your colors completely on point, then totally buy that. And then in post, when you color grade, it's going to make the, uh, like just a world of a difference once you learn how to use it. It also make grading a ton faster, which in of itself, even if you didn't make your grades better, it's made my grades twice as fast. So that in of itself is, uh, you know, a thousand percent worth it. So that's a, I'm not sponsored, uh, but if they did want to sponsor me, Hey, just reach out. <laughs> I can vouch for their product at least. So there's that. So then that goes directly into color in general. So, uh, I like how most of your skin tones come out. So in this one, oh, sorry, there's one more thing I want to mention. I just noticed it in the frame here in the background here, we have a, bunch of lights. So this is back to sort of cinematography and lighting. You have a bunch of lights in the background here that I assume are part of the set, wherever the heck you are. They are extremely blown out, as you can see. You know, you have like these sort of, if you don't know what that means, uh, just in general for the audience, if you look at those lights there, they're super hot. And then at the edges, you can sort of see sort of a digital break where the edges happen. So what's really happening here is that these pixels are brighter than than the maximum value that the camera can record for the particular settings of the camera right now. So that's called clipping, right? So you're clipping all your values up here. And this is generally doesn't look very good, and it doesn't look very good here either. In fact, for a corporate sort of uh, commercial style look, what I'd actually want to see is the exact opposite, which is zero clipping and extremely smooth lights, even if they're in frame. Now, that's very difficult to pull off. And so I don't even know if you had a solution for yourself on set. I'm not sure if those lights, you could even touch them, you know, given that this is probably not your space. If you could touch them, I would say wrap them in uh, ND filter paper, I think it's what it's called, or uh, it's a plastic thing. You know, it's basically can cut your light source down by a few stops. If you did that, you could help yourself. But I understand why it happened, because you probably don't control those lights and you were going for the bright white look and you couldn't bring your camera exposure down, right? There, there's, there's that trade-off. And the last thing I'll say <laughs> for cinematography, because I also just remembered it, is that this shot right here is a dolly zoom, which Ben knows about now, because uh, 
because of vertigo. <laughs> and a dolly zoom, if I just play it real quick, you'll notice it very quickly. There you go. So basically the background is doing a weird warping thing while the foreground is staying still in the frame. It's achieved by pushing the camera in or out while zooming in or in or out, those being the opposites, right? So push in, zoom out, or uh, whatever, the opposite of that. <laughs> now, it came off like you didn't have the right rig to pull it off, which uh, if you watch Goodfellas, there's a dolly zoom in there that is definitely not perfect, right? Uh, it's a famous dolly zoom that's in there. That's definitely not perfect, even though it's a Scorsese film. has a little bit of wobbliness. Um, it's definitely less perfect than the, the Vertigo uh, dolly zoom is amazingly smooth and perfect, actually. And it requires specific rigging and handling to pull this off. It's a very difficult thing to pull off, uh, practically speaking. So I, I'm happy you went for it, but, you know, I'm not sure why it was there, which is my bigger problem. Like, I'm not sure what it did to the film. Like, I'm not sure what you were going for with that dolly zoom to begin with, if it was supposed to be terrifying or not. I, I'm not sure. but. I would have done this take twice, once with the once with the dolly zoom, once without the dolly zoom, and then in edit, if I wasn't satisfied with how the dolly zoom looked, I would have definitely kept it out because I think it would have worked better with it. Maybe add a digital push or look this up. You can do a digital dolly zoom, which is not going to look as good because optical and digital things are not the same. One's analog, one's digital, and uh, for optics, that is extremely important, and they look entirely different. But you could achieve a similar effect in terms of warping digitally just youtube uh digital dolly zoom um and that will require you only to push or pull the camera you won't have to do the zooming at the same time so there's that so yes color so your, your skin tones were pretty good throughout sorry i'm getting very technical with this because i think that's where i have the most things to say about this film because i actually really like the concept and the themes of this film but your skin tones are very nice um if i skip over especially to i think you were really trying to make that person pasty on purpose uh, looking which very much so works <laughs> a very pasty looking person but if we go over to our main actors you gave them a much warmer look if i can get it there we go a lot warmer you know a lot more like normal skin tones i think you went to the pink side for everyone um, but it looked more like a look than it looked like a you know mistake or anything like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you have some overexposed skin tones on the left side of her here, but that's part of the look. And so it, it feels at home, you know, so that works perfectly fine. The other colors. So you have some, we can see in this frame, some heavy vignetting a lot that you've added in post to isolate your subjects. I thought, you know, it was an interesting choice. It brought some interest to the frame, some depth and complexity, but I'm not sure I know the why for it other than it makes the frame more interesting because I don't know if it would, I would have had to see it otherwise, but without it, it might've looked more sterile. So, and that might've actually benefited the entire vibe of the film. Uh, other than that, like, I think you know how to push and pull the knobs like well enough intuitively uh, to get uh, good colors. Like in this scene we've, in the car, we've got a lot more contrasty of a look here while also maintaining that sort of futuristic bright thing. And you're doing a VFX shot here, which is impressive. Uh, it looks very good, actually. Um, I have really nothing to say bad about this VFX shot. But there's just like some tiny inconsistencies in matching color, which which leads me to think that maybe you should use this this guy 
uh, maybe that's the one thing that's holding you back from like nailing the consistency between shots because this will guarantee your shots become consistent from take to take um, if you use this. Long audio only don't know what this is. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes, <laughs> this, this is true. Card. These segments kind of suck if you're only audio only. <laughs> if we're reviewing films, I'm not going to lie. We're on YouTube at Rumble, so if you want to check us out. But what I'm holding in my hand is a... Um, what's this, what's it called? The name's on here. Let's see. It's a color checker passport. It's made by X-Lite. And uh, X-Lite is generally an industry standard company for color checkers. They have really huge versions that are extremely expensive, like $400. Uh, I'm not even sure why you need a huge version other than if you're doing like telephoto shots or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I would definitely recommend it. And maybe I'll put a link in the description if I remember. There's the color. And then lastly, we have sound and music. So you only have uh, music really in one place at the beginning, which uh, there's this sort of introductory music here where the rocket's going up. Sounds very hopeful, and almost naive. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's kind of whimsical already. And then uh, going into the first scene here, you use music to sort of like, uh, I guess, fake out your audience in terms of where this film is going, in terms of like, ah, we're supposed to be going along with the ride of like, this is a great idea to freeze yourself and, you know, and this hopeful future utopia that's that's definitely going to happen, you know, that this guy is uh, talking about and imagining as he's he's eager to sign the contract and the music just cuts, you know, when the when his partner is just like, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the heck is going on? I thought that was funny. It made me chuckle. And in terms of sound, I don't know. I have much to say other than I see this trend a lot in uh, short films that I find on r slash short film. But like dialogue is very hot in the mix. I'm not sure if that's a, you know, now that I think about it, that might be a web publishing thing. Like you might be trying to make sure your audio is permissible to web audiences so if you didn't know youtube does a lot of like weird compressing and leveling and a bunch of magic box stuff that you'll never control um and what youtube wants to get out of that is uh, a consistent level between videos and consistent uh at least perceived volume between uh between videos so if you're a creative doing audio stuff that really sucks because because uh you know you're sort of tolerance for doing really creative, like um, dynamic range with your audio is uh, very low. So you can't be that creative with it. So I'm not sure if some of these choices are made because you know you're finishing onto web and you want to make sure your audio, your, uh, your vocals don't mix weirdly with your, your background sounds and your music. You want to make sure it's sufficiently above so the algorithm doesn't do something weird and then crush your dialogue into the rest of the mix or something like that. I'm not sure if that's what, why that's such a trend or not. Let me know. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, the last thing I have to say is like, I, I, I think your, your theme is really cool. It's something that not a lot of people are talking about um, in terms of like, I think we actually do have a, a huge problem of a lot of people wanting to live forever. You know, and it, it it's kind of a it, it's a big problem, you know, and that people feel, uh, I guess the the we don't talk about death enough, right? You know, I think that's what your your film is sort of pointing at is that we don't we don't cope with the idea of death because we don't talk about it enough, and so you know we have the one guy who is not coping with it well, the idea of death, 
because his goals are outlandish. Like, they're actually just not reasonable. And uh, the, the end of the film kind of plays on the, uh, the unreasonable sort of expectations, right, uh, that he has for, I don't know, trying to be immortal or something like that. Whereas death is, is, is you know, something that we ought to really come to terms with throughout our lives, right? <laughs> you know, we should think about it because it is an extremely po- important point of our lives that we will all experience no matter what, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And uh, I think, you know, your little point there of just like, you know, let's remind ourselves that we are mortal is a very important, uh, m- important uh, theme, I think. So, yeah. That's uh, pretty much it. Well, that, that's a lot of really, really helpful advice. So I don't know who, who these filmmakers are, but definitely, you know, check out what Irving, even if you're not, if you're just a filmmaker in general, and there's a lot of fantastic stuff that Irving just said. So yeah, very technical. <laughs> I got very technical with this one, but. But I mean, that, that stuff is, that stuff is helpful. I would imagine for a lot of people. So definitely pay if you're a filmmaker pay attention to that yeah uh good job in making a film at all i haven't uh i haven't made a film in a long time myself so it's more than i can say so uh you know awesome job with that and uh if you if you want to get your stuff reviewed just uh hit us up um if you want to interview with us just hit us up and uh with that i I think we're pretty much done for this week (laughs) so remember Link in the description to pretty much everything you want. And you can go to mixedmediapodcast.com. That's very easy to remember if you're listening on podcast only form. Um, and really the most important thing that you could possibly do is if you enjoy anything, you got anything out of these episodes is please, 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 please share it with your friends, you know, who might gain something from it. You know, any, any, if you know, you can clip a section if you want on YouTube very easily with the share button and send that to them if you want. And the last thing, too, is uh, we'd appreciate your feedback in any way you want to leave it uh, so that we can make the show better. 